A germ of religious exaltation, no bigger than a mustard seed, was sown in me and left to germinate. It has never stopped growing since that day. Life of Pi by Jan Martel. Welcome to Redeeming Disorder, where we delve into the world of mental disorder. To overcome stigma, redeem perceptions, and start a conversation. Hello, and welcome back to Redeeming Disorder. This is Spencer welcoming you to episode three. And today we're talking to Danny Bryant, who is a Nashville priest. He has a lot to say about the good and the bad with his experience around religion, as well as the pressures of religion or of faith amongst family and friends, particularly in tough environments or even cult-like manipulative environments. Danny also has a lot to say about his perspective today about mental disorder from his vantage point within spirituality and in his role. Uh, his experience is both as a believer, a person of faith, a priest dealing with uh, both people he preaches to and those that he grew in his spiritual roots from. And so Laura, who knows him uh, and has known him for a while, will introduce him and i'm going to keep this intro short i just want to say at the top of the show though that there are some audio issues in this episode and we apologize for that you might notice a little inconsistency some moments where voices become a little louder than you're expecting or quieter and that's because we made a subpar recording choice unfortunately for this episode but we think that danny has so much that is useful to say and that this interview was interesting enough that it would be a shame to not release it just for that reason. And so we hope you'll bear with us. We hope you will enjoy everything Danny has to say and the conversation we had. It was uh, an intense one in some ways, but a very good one, I thought, and um, an illuminating one for me because this world is largely new to me, and I had a lot to hear and learn from both Danny and Laura about this subject. And so I'll leave it at that. Please enjoy the episode, and here we go. Well, today we have Danny Bryant, who's an Anglican priest of St. Mary's of Bethany here in Nashville, Tennessee, which is actually my church that I go to, um, though always not, not always faithfully, sorry. Um, his church aims to be a place for the displaced, a theme I'm sure we will get to later in the interview. And really, Danny is here to just talk about faith mental disorder, and share a story with us. So, Danny, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Rebecca is my wife. We we often talk about maybe the worst part of my job is how the first thing people say is, they'll we'll say, hey, it's good to see you. And they'll say, this is why we haven't been at church. <laughs> it's like we don't really yeah, take roll, and you don't have to tell us. <laughs> well, That's you so there funny. On well, it's like, yeah, you probably wouldn't notice unless I... Yeah, 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 it's funny. Um, but. That is funny, yeah. yeah. Thanks uh, from me as well for coming on. It means a lot yeah, to absolutely. us. And, um, yeah, really curious to get into your perspective from that uh, space of yeah. church and see the unique issues that you 
encounter and see on a daily basis with mental disorder. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're a confidant for people oftentimes. Yeah. So do you, do you feel like you have a different vantage point on it? Um, different from, from anyone, from anybody. I think, um, yeah, I think, I guess I would start with the same thing. Just even the, you know, the little chuckle in your voice (laughs) when you talk about not faithfully being there. I, I think people bring, um, performance issues (laughs) issues <laughs> not to <laughs> jump in yeah. on the podcast here yep that's um, my inherent here <laughs> what i should be like is often mm-hmm. a presupposition to conversations i have with people mm-hmm. um and trying to get people away from that yeah way of I thinking be, right and, and if they're bringing that to me they're surely uh projecting that onto god mm-hmm. which i think is um unfortunate you know, and not what the whole setup is supposed to be. Um, we all do it, but, um, yeah. So I think that's always present, not always, but sure. Yeah. Um, that's and there. Um, so the guilt aspect. Yeah. And that bleeds into disorder. That when you talk about a lot. Feeling like what you should be yes, or feeling like, you know, there's this whole reframing of disorder we're going for, of you know, stop thinking of it as something that is wrong or that something that needs to be necessarily like a problem that needs to be fixed and yeah. be, you know, come at it with more acceptance. And so you can come at anything, whether it's a disorder or any issue. With one of the, acceptance. I guess not soapboxes, but one, one of the places I try to live personally and then help people get to is just the word heal instead of fix. Um, mm. And to think of other people as the, just we all just need to heal, yeah, and 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 not be fixed. And so much of the fixing mentality, yeah, prevents healing, right? Which is very prevalent in culture. I think, yeah. you know, sells a lot of books, yeah, sells <laughs> a lot of churches, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it's the shortcuts that mm-hmm. produce more sickness are often um, what people want. Yeah, most readily in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason when I am at the gym at 1 a.m., there are infomercials trying to tell you how you can lose a ton of weight by eating chocolate or yeah. whatever it is. Um, I'd love to get that number if we are done. Yeah, everyone would. And I think people know everyone would and cater to that. That yeah. part of you that sort of wants to look for some kind of like tricky shortcut solution as opposed to just being with things, whether it's sadness or a tough event or a disorder. And people know how to manipulate that. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. And I think, um, sadly, one of the most common places that's been manipulated is in spiritual. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Like not, not just churches, but communities of better supposedly founded on faith and, yeah. God, or it's a really easy place to swindle people. Yeah. Can you talk, when you talk about manipulation, can you, would you be willing to talk about like your story? Yeah. Kind of impossible to yeah. do this without. So I grew up in a religious cult in Southern California. I was born into it. My parents were born into it. Wow. Some of my grandparents were born into it. Whoa. So like a third generation. Yeah. Member. Third or fourth generation member. Um, and then my family members that weren't born into it, found it through being um, just living in pretty, pretty horrible situations and Mm. then preyed on by these groups. I had a grandfather who grew up kind of in and out of, I don't know that 
it was necessarily orphanages, mm-hmm. but that type of environment was like whatever the middle ground between like a daycare and an orphanage would be mm-hmm. um, in the 1930s. Uh, um, so when he found this group and they were family to him, it was the first time in his life he had ever seen mm-hmm. anything like family and what yeah. you gave for that family was ultimate allegiance. Right. And so when I came along years and years later, um, he was one who told me, when you talk about this group, you talk about me. That's my family. You're not. And anyways, we just wow. skipped a lot of years. But but that that mindset in the group mm-hmm. is this is everything. Right. So is that how would you define what is a cult and what is not? Um, it's so hard to say exactly. I think because it's a little. Is it subjective? It it can be. It's yeah. I think if something if something claims to have all of the questions answered. <laughs> And then along with that says, we're the only ones, mm, right? It's We've it's got exclusive. something no one else knows. Mm. And this is the path. This, this is, the, is the path. Right. And there's, um, you have to be part of this to know it. You have to separate yourself from everything to know it. Um, and then I think, you know, like, so for me, I grew up in a, in a Christian cult from the standpoint of they claim to be Christian. They weren't, but, um, when there are like a lot of new revelations of like, oh, this means this. Like the guy who founded ours heard a voice one day. And it was like these, and basically if we study church history, like kind of every heresy that's come up in the last 2000 years, is yeah. this thing called the church, this like small group of uneducated people, that's what they dove into. And mm-hmm. it just unleashed a lot of sickness. So that, so there's that component. Okay. Like here's the hidden truth, but then the control. Mm. So I was a freshman in high school when a guy told 400 people to move to Nashville and like my parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, they obeyed him. Wow. So I live in Nashville because wow. Uh, Cause the a man who looking back was probably suffering pretty early stages of dementia oh. um, said we had to move and we did. And so, the control part. He was a leader. He was a leader mm-hmm. and uh, told us what we could wear. If we, if we wanted to go on vacation, we had to run it by him. Wow. So control over our lives. So the, the hidden truth and the control, which are very connected, okay. um, are, are pretty quick warning signs. Okay. Like if a kid were to come yeah. up to me, right? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, can I go on vacation this summer? It's <laughs> <laughs> none of my business. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. You should uh, not ask me that. <laughs> well, so why in the world would you want to be a priest? If yeah, I don't always. Really <laughs> like, I question. feel like if that was my experience, I would run far away. Yeah. Any kind of organization, religion. So, it's a daily struggle. Mm. Like, it's not easy. And mm-hmm. I think one of the questions you, for, not questions, but just what we might talk about when you forward it or sent it to, was just, does it help or hurt religion and faith and God and in the, in the um, conversation of disorder? And we can get into some of the specifics that it did exist in my family. And, um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it helps and it hurts. And mm-hmm. it takes such vigilance to keep away the hurtful parts yeah or or maybe not redeeming right or just admit they're there right yeah right and talk about them yeah rather than fixing or rather than, than denying um 
but it's a like no drama at all a daily how long will I be able to do this and that the hardest part of that for me is speaking for the institution huh. um I like to meet with every person I meet mm-hmm. and hear their story. Okay. And, you know, like, yeah. and I think when you have to speak for an institution, um, there are, uh, I guess, like, stances on some things that I'm supposed to have, hmm. opinions I'm supposed sure. to have that I might yeah. not. And I enjoy being able to do that person to person, not... Institution to person. Like, this is what we all should believe. Yeah. And so that's the hardest. This is not really the answer to your question. You asked, why do I want to do this? (laughs) And I'm saying, I'm not sure I do. Uh, I'm going to (laughs) resign. I think there's also a, there's a part of me that wants to prove it can be done. Hmm. And we can decide if that's healthy or not. But it feels like overcoming your yeah. It's like you know what you can love people and you can lead people in faith and not manipulate them. And Mm -hmm. you you can uh, you don't have to do politics and you can have a church. And so there's definitely that part of me that said there's something to prove. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen Batman Begins? The first Christian (laughs) Bale. Oh yeah. Uh, I was watching it with my. 11 year old about a year ago and in one of the early scenes where uh liam neeson goes to get him out yeah he says do you hate criminals so much you get yourself locked up to fight them from the inside and i saw that i've i had seen that movie several times it was the first time i watched it with my son and i was like oh no (laughs) is that what i've done with my life like do i dislike pastors so much mm-hmm. that I'm like here to keep an eye on them. Yeah, you're like Batman. And, I'm like, oh, yeah. and so <laughs> I called two of opinion. my really good friends who uh-huh. are therapists. Yeah. I was like, hey, that felt a little real, uh, a little too close to home. Is mm-hmm. that in there? And they both sort of chuckled and they said, yeah, it's in there. Uh, they said, thankfully, that's not all that's in there. Yeah. I think you really do believe these things. But, yeah. um, but it's in there. And huh. if you name it, it's probably not going to drive all the time yeah um but that's part of it so there are um those reasons and i would i would say like i I have yet to encounter a more beautiful story than um, god getting in our suffering with us i i'm compelled by the, the the chief like quality of what happened on the cross for me is god says i will suffer with you and I don't, I have yet to encounter a more beautiful story mm-hmm. than God saying, I hurt, I hurt you and I hurt with you. Um, and like by my wounds, by our wounds, by sharing those, we will be healed. I and so that, that, that's the good part. Yeah. <laughs> not the Batman part. Yeah. <laughs> not the, the chip on my shoulder proving <laughs> I'm not a cult leader, but the being compelled by that. I'm thinking of of people who experience mental disorder and when they go and see a therapist and they're like, I'm here with you. I'm Mm -hmm. Solidarity, right? Yeah. yeah. And And that's really, really powerful. If God did that, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it is. And using your pain to help someone because I think that's what people struggling with disorder could use as well where uh, a lot of people might 
have a long road out of depression and not really want to think about it, want to escape it. I mean, I know a lot of people who, when they encounter hard things, they sort of want to run the other way. It's a natural inkling, I think, to want to just dissociate. As well as, you know, victims of many things also just want to dissociate. And I think it's the emotional labor um, must be intense to not do that. But I can see where you're coming from, that there are great rewards. Yeah, that's the... um there's there's no way but through in the denial and the avoidance and the, mm-hmm. all of the um it takes so much more effort in my experience to pretend everything's okay mm. um the con they're the, not even the consequences but the the pain of that is coming energy it's, goes yeah. somewhere it's gonna yeah, come yeah, out yeah. somewhere um so like just the... meet it and let it don't let it dictate where it comes out but mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is definitely my personality to meet it sort of head on and say, let's try to harness this rather than it's coming. It's coming out. <laughs> yeah, <somewhere>. yeah. <clears throat> I admire that quality because a quote I really like is uh, like, the hard thing is the easy thing, and the easy thing is the hard thing. Every time. We think, <laughs> and it seems natural, that it's easier to just avoid it, think of something happy, watch a nice sitcom. Yep. But it's actually harder because, as you said, that pain is coming in there and you can't just hold it down forever. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually paradoxically easier to meet it face on. Like yeah. it seems like you, the hard work will be done mm-hmm. and you can do it now mm-hmm. or later. And, and then the, the joy of going through those things when a community is convinced, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no greater joy. There, there probably no greater sorrow either, but there's yeah. something about humanity that like the deeper we can go in sorrow while that's happening there's an expansion that's also increasing joy and so to do that individually is great but to do that corporately could you give an example of what that would look like to um, corporately corporately we so you know every there's a at saint mary's we are part of the anglican tradition that worships liturgically we live in a church calendar um that the final day every year of the church calendar is called Christ the King Sunday, where it's like we are grateful for our King. The week before, every year at St. Mary's, we have a service of lament to say, um, next week we're going to celebrate this King. It often does not feel like he is a King. It often does not feel like he's even real. Let's lament that. Let's take time to be honest with ourselves about whatever it is, the things that have happened this year, the things that are happening now, but let's go into that darkness and not deny it. Um, And that I think has made St. Mary's a community where people are pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, this is is our third year. We've done three or four lament services and we were pretty clunky at it at the beginning. And it was like, we should, (laughs) you could feel like we should be sadder. (laughs) Um, And I've like even seen our, grief become more mature as a community like i think we're just more comfortable in that but i think we're also more joyful than we were three years ago and people know each other and this space is carved out for people to be i I had one of my favorite quotes says a a true man of prayer or true person of prayer can um like weep from the gut and laugh from the belly in the same breath (laughs) But you're that present. Yeah. And you realize, like, you can that's the world, right? Yeah. Frederick Bingner says that 
here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. And to be able to, same breath, access this world is amazing and stunning and beautiful. It's so much to be experienced as a gift and grateful for. Um, and terrible things are happening. And if we're too far away from either of those, we're probably not that healthy because mm-hmm. they're both constantly mm-hmm. present in reality. Right. Um, so leave space for both. Yeah. And don't do it alone. Like you, nobody can pull that off by mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. I love the idea of embracing both and reframing our natural associations of, of something painful and hard, bad, stay away, something great, cling to it. It's almost like releasing that egotistical urge to make the good last and run away from the bad. Yeah. And in my experience, the people who um, I've been the closest to who deny the pain, mm-hmm. their joy comes off the least authentic. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's a little too Disney. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I don't really trust your happiness because you won't go mm-hmm. to the pain. Um, which again, like I've had a, we, <laughs> my life has been full of that. And so I know it's there. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't trust the permagrant stuff. Even Disneyland is a great example. I grew up in Southern California. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish yeah. I was there right now. Like I don't want to, uh, slam the mouse, but you know, <laughs> like, what Disneyland looks under, like underneath where all of the trash mm-hmm. goes mm-hmm. that people smile and dump. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's there. Yeah. Right. And the smiles on the surface are not yeah. telling the whole story. Do you think that plays a role in someone grappling with a condition or depression? Uh, it can. Some right. Absolutely. Kind of Sometimes you might be tempted to pretend it's all okay or, yeah. Um, as many people say you can do, choose to be happy um, and instead or go outside and sort of deny your feelings. Absolutely. Or families. I think families, if there's one member who has a disorder or something going on, yeah. families will, will deny it's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which could maybe even encourage the person suffering yeah. to deny it. And that that's a new idea that I've been setting a little bit more the last few years, just this idea of scapegoating and how families, communities, nations, social media platforms. Like it's just constantly happening now where you put, we put all of our shadow, all of our disgust on something or someone and they take all of it. And by putting it all on this person or this movement or whatever, we can pretend it's not in us. Mm. Um, yeah. And we don't have to own our own stuff. America, like we're a violent nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this idea that we're saving the world from violence is, yeah. is comical. Right. But I think that's America not dealing with its own shadow. Mm. Yeah. It's like, no, we're violent. So let's not pretend everybody else is right. And fight them. And right. not that, you know, it's like, um, yeah, that's a, probably a different podcast but um <laughs> well, no, we all like, do that nations do that for sure do and that. i like how it can be on any scale nations any scale. person family and another quote i love is we dislike in others the things that we dislike in ourselves yeah yeah uh, i think we <clears throat> talked about that at one point um mm-hmm. that i at first that seemed so counterintuitive but um it does seem to happen on so many different levels yeah Absolutely. And, and, and just gets more and more fuel on the fire. 
as we go deeper into denying what's truly here. And I think when I think of the cult experience, um, it's at a weird time right now because a lot of the, a lot of the people, um, that it's, it's so weird to go into, like, I, I don't yeah. know how I could do it adequately, but a lot of us left early two thousands. Some of the people that left have started to sort of, um, reconnect and there's been this sort of like we don't really need to talk about it right and that in my opinion feeds the scapegoating because there are a lot of people whose lives were destroyed by the place yeah that i feel like well i think we should talk about it for them i think we should apologize to them so i feel they're like so many of the families have children that have these incredible manifestations of disorder lack of health that there's sort of an older generation that's like oh but we're all good right it's like no you gotta, somebody's got to yeah. address is that, I, that was so vague i don't know well because if, is that all good, sense? Yeah, we're all good in the sense that they they might have left but other people are still suffering there there are people who are suffering the consequences right even yeah. we all left but some people stayed but that's water under the bridge right mm-hmm. it's like well it's not a water under the bridge in this person's life who right? Who is acting out? Who is, you know, like living with all this trauma? And as much as you want a clean tie, until somebody says, "I take responsibility. I'm sorry." It's mm-hmm. that person becomes the scapegoat. Yeah, and we can all pretend they're just sick. Yeah, and we don't have to own our complicity in it. Um, was that too vague? I don't no, that like, makes sense. Okay. And did you know right away when you left that you were going to face that? that you were going to uh, not sever the tie and, and remain conscious of how it affects people in all the ways it does? I was, if I'm understanding correctly, I was sort of the other end where I was like, we've got to address this. Okay. And um, I think even asking like difficulties in being a pastor, um, growing up in a cult, lies kill people. Mm. Like there's, just lies it's death yeah you know if it's denial if it's um lies about god if it's lies about community whatever it is like the darkness is where stuff grows and so i was a pretty like (laughs) back to the batman analogy i was ready to fight (laughs) the bad guys and the liars and um that has matured some in me uh but i was ready to say you know quit labeling all these people these things and deal so like sexual abuse was rampant mm. in the cult and there were lawsuits against from the victims against the place and the place wanted to the analogy that was used was when these happened common um, consensus in culture was you don't talk about it and they said they used to also think you should put butter on a burn and science has proven that's wrong. Yeah. Now we know we should talk about when people are sexually abused, but you wouldn't get mad at somebody for ignorantly putting a butter on a burn. So you shouldn't get mad about somebody ignorantly covering it up. Like that's the kind of logic in that, like that's the kind of thing that I didn't handle real well in terms of saying that yeah, that's not yeah. true. Yeah, totally. Um, so I've, I think I've always had this like sort of heart for the one that's left out in the underdog and mm-hmm. um, 
had a therapist one time tell me, you realize you're an underdog? <laughs> I was like, no way! <laughs> underdogs never know they're the underdogs. So I, go, I can beat anybody. And uh, he was like, you always felt that way because you like kind of are that. And I, I didn't really, like, huh, I'll have to think about it. But that, that, that would make that sense that you of, really like, empathize with I will that, get that out figure. of this. Yeah. I, I remember one time uh, the cult leader telling me when I was 10 years old I couldn't go to a football game. And it was sort of my first moment of, like, I can't do anything about this now. I'm 10. My parents think you're right about everything. Um, but this isn't over. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll see you later. And I, I think some of that fueled my just kept this tally of things that need to be mm. accounted for yeah. in this group. Yeah. And uh, so if you don't mind going into it, what's your relationship been now that you have some people yeah. sort of reconnecting? Have you, do you speak? Pretty impossible. Yeah. It's, um, there's a, the graphic novel mouse. Have you ever heard of that? No. It won a Pulitzer prize. Okay. Um, and it's, it's set in, uh, it's a graphic novel set in the Holocaust and time after. And it's how it's the setting is basically how hard it is for families who have been through trauma and how hard it is for families who are survivors to just live normal life together. And so, um, family is next to impossible, not like my wife and kids, but like aunts, uncles, parents, like it has been really hard. Yeah. Because when you've suffered so intensely, together and remember it differently um have different impacts have different you know and then even sometimes not even remember it differently but um things we haven't told each other mm, mm -hmm. about our experiences where it doesn't feel safe to tell each other about yeah things. it's it's probably the most difficult part i've got friends that i've reconnected with um but mostly it's just this just isn't this is a knot that's not probably going to come undone. Um, yeah. There's a lot of acceptance mm -hmm. and just what can be healthy and what can't be. Right. But family's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. It's You talk about people having different perceptions of what the cult was, which is sort of a microcosm of, you have these extremely different perceptions within an entity and that entity itself is represents, you know, something that really distorts your perceptions of a lot of things mm -hmm. where you're being told all these absolute truths very dogmatically. And, um, and you know, that sort of happens throughout all of society and a cult seems to be just sort of taking it to a great extreme. Yeah. Um, but it seems relevant for anyone who struggles with, uh, accepting themselves or with, you know, a disorder where they, they might look for that acceptance or look for what their condition or their experience means and be told different things by everyone. Um, and so did you, I guess my question is coming from such an extreme example of that, of being told what reality is and having to deal with that dissonance between what you're told and indoctrinated into and your own experience. Is it just an ongoing battle to see things as you and trust your experience as opposed to your programming? Yeah, that's a great. So, um, 
I was never a good cult member. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm not sure how deep the programming got in. It did. Mm-hmm. And like there, I mean, literal brainwashing. We spent 12 hours a week in worship services wow. where what we were worshiping was the institution. Um, so yes, programming and it got in and it tweaked things. That being said, I was, I always asked questions. I always, so that part of me, some levels is the, um, there's this thing about, so I'll be 40 this year and there's this, there's this true thing that happens. It's very mysterious, but just as you enter the second half of life and, um, so many of the parts that get you through the first half start to work against you. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I'm in that place. So the, um, integrity means a lot to me. Right. And the truth and the fight for the truth. Yeah. And I'm 40 and I'm realizing like, oh man, like things are a lot more complicated than I always thought they were. And I, there's a lot I thought I understood that I don't, um, but integrity and I have to know, and I can't make decisions without knowing. It's like, like, I may never know this. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it comes back like day by day, moment by moment for me to actually live with hope, mm-hmm. not slip into despair, not, uh, try to control or be controlled. Um, but sort of just have this openness of I've been wrong before. Right. Um, doubt is a huge component of my faith. I think of our community, like St. Mary's really is a place where um, we talk a lot about our doubts. Yeah. And for me, the scariest people I've ever encountered are the people with no doubts. <laughs> for sure. Who think they know how can you everything. Faith, right. right. Yeah. It, I just, when somebody tells me, they have no doubt. I just don't trust them. And I, that's, yeah. I may be wrong to do that, but, um, I have to listen to, I have to constantly listen and read people I don't agree with to bounce off what I do believe. Yeah. Because if I'm not, if I believe what I believe, because I'm not listening, I mean, it's like, it's not, I'm not saying it's worthless, but it, it is to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not enough to keep me going. No, just yeah. people I agree with. I feel like so, I feel a very similar way. Yeah, I've got to be challenged. Yeah. Um, and, and, and keep asking questions. So that, like, I feel like that part of being formed in the cult is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think the other part got me as sort much. Sort of like the ultimate challenge mm-hmm. of, you know, going against the grain or going against um, when people are very set without doubt of having the courage to have that doubt and not feel ashamed or feel like it's wrong, but actually discover it can be a path toward learning um, toward developing a perspective. And back to what we were talking about, about suppressing and it's going to come out somewhere. I think Mm -hmm. sadly, like so much of the American church has been so built on, let's make sure there's no doubt here. Mm -hmm. And people don't trust it. Mm. Trying to like upstairs at Disneyland. It's like, man, eh, I'm not sure that smile's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and so to have community that is steeped in, um, let's, let's bring who we really are uh, in our tradition. We take communion every week. Like let's, mm-hmm. we eat together every week. Let's bring who we really are to this table. Uh, not pretend. Yeah. Um, and see what grows.
Um, how have you found, because obviously very traumatic, um, a lot of trauma there and your upbringing, but how have you found, what tools, resources, how have you kind of found that healing? Specifically for trauma or... Yeah, or just yeah. in general too, whichever. I mean, counseling has been huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had two very good therapists, um, sort of at different stages along the way, um, EMDR is a tr- is a type of therapy mm-hmm. specifically for trauma. Um, there's a lot of trauma in my life, in my story. Um, Sorry, what is EMDR? Uh, it is. I don't even know what it stands for. So when <laughs> I when I went to my therapist's office, I was I was so exhausted um, and just knew the way the the sort of the methods that were keeping me afloat weren't going to keep working yeah um i was gosh 32 33 it was 2012 so 34 three kids um just my dad had died and just a lot going on yeah um he was like would you like to know what emdr is before we start and i was like i don't care (laughs) (laughs) whatever you need to do to me to help me not be stuck in this and i would say chiefly it was despair was the place um, mm-hmm. where I, what, what motivated me to go there and so that counseling therapy um, that work it's it's um, I mean it re it it reforms pathways in your brain mm-hmm. and you go into the memory you go into it gently like you know somebody who does it well will, yeah will, you're not like hypnotized or anything. it's not yeah, hypnotized yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's there actually is some value in hypnotherapy. Yeah, and hypnosis isn't some crazy mystical yeah. thing. You can just be getting really relaxed and open to going into those memories. Yeah, and it's it's physical. So like you can, mm-hmm. um, it can be eye movement. It can be taps on your legs. Mm-hmm. It can be touch. And so there's a physical aspect to reprocessing. Yeah, the trauma. Yeah, and um, you know some of it. I don't. I don't want to. There are times where it dissipates. We're like, oh, okay. So, so like once you uncover it, once you see it, you, it then just goes, it um, fades away. So I've I've had EMDR too. Yeah. Um, oh. And my therapist, she uh, she described it as you're on a train mm-hmm. and you're watching these memories yeah. kind of coming back at you, but you're yeah. you're you're looking at it as an adult. And you're like reprogramming it in a more objective way, like than, right. the per- than the child that you were in the trauma. So you can go back sort of and see it not with your, the child's perception, but with more objectivity. And then mm-hmm. one of my experiences was uh, there was a group of people gathered that I've always felt like an outsider with. Mm-hmm. They were gathered for a meal. I was, and this is like, this didn't really happen. This yeah. is like happened in the EMDR. And I was on the outside of the window, sort of looking at the meal, sort of feeling like, oh, I'm sad they didn't invite me. Yeah. And then, like, this realization of, like, oh, I don't want to be in there. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, I'm glad they didn't invite me. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit down any time right, wow. with them anymore. Like, so... So just kind of had been just sitting in your brain? I'm of, sitting in a, a chair and talking to a therapist and yeah. just checking in and we go back in. He'll ask questions like, where do you feel that in your body? What does it feel like? Wow. There are times when... 
you know, that was a nice one. The, the others that weren't as nice, I mean, I would find myself, there were times I had to grab the chair, like, just to not dissociate to make sure I was there. Yeah, wow. Um, I threw up. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, I mean, it can be. Wow. It yeah. I felt nauseous. It was, it was yeah. in, very intense. And, and this like, is when you sort of get to some something that's deep within, like, your limbic system that you haven't really looked at. You start... I started, I don't know that it's always the same, but like sort of a negative t- cognition, like um, I'm alone, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know I, I'm only loved because of this or whatever, something negative. Yeah. That, and then you're asked, what would you like to believe is true? And hopefully move. Mm-hmm. There are times where you, it works. Yeah. You know, like yeah. 15 minutes in, you're like, wow. oh, I'm not alone anymore. And then <laughs> it's like, we should probably schedule our next meeting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you, sorry, I just am actually really curious. Do you yeah. do you kind of have to uncover the underlying internal belief? Because something I've thought a lot about is core beliefs that you kind of grow up with. And do you have to sort of like get at that before it can change? That's, I think so. Okay. I mean, I think maybe that could go maybe, a lot of different. I don't know which core belief you mean, but there. Let's go back to the healing. Yeah. Talk right, like there, there could be some things in the core belief that need to be. And some of the core belief is probably formed in most of us by something traumatic in our lives that like, I will cling to this yeah, to feel like I'm in control in some level in this world. Um, it's amazing personally how much energy we can get from the negative, um, you know, songs like I won't be fooled again, you know, stuff yeah. like that, like even, even like I became an avid reader and it was like, I'm never going to be fooled again. And like I, this year, this is insane for me. Like I've only read two books this year for me to read two books from January to May is crazy. (laughs) And I'm healthier (laughs) because I'm not like just living in this. Like I'm not, I'm never going to be fooled again. So I got so much energy from the negative and I'm so tired of that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be Batman. <laughs> Batman was nice, like birth to forty. Like, I'd like to retire. Yeah. Isn't that how it ends? Like, yeah, yeah. You I don't want to go with uh, see, uh, Catwoman, uh, but Rebecca, my wife, and I <laughs> yeah. go to Italy or something. I think that's how it ends. But nice. Yeah. Um, so that is one of the ways therapy, EMDR, I, I th- community, and friendship is mm-hmm. my. That's what keeps me okay. I've got. I've never been isolated. Like that, and that to me is my secret, not secret, but um, that's what keeps me going. Your secret sauce. <laughs> yeah, I've got friends. And, yeah. and it's almost like a team of specialists where it's yeah. like if I'm struggling with despair, like this is who I call if mm-hmm. I'm with trauma, with family issues, like with whatever. I just have a great group of friends. That's fantastic. That, um, I know are there yeah. for me, yeah. and I know they know I'm there for them. I think that can't be underestimated as a healing tool for someone experiencing either recovering from trauma or in the midst of trauma or some condition to have people like that around. And I think often it depends probably on your personality, but you might feel like that's not what you need. Like you want to keep people away when often that I think can be really helpful. Yeah. And then to have a friend, you know, I've, I've, I've got a friend who, a lot of my friends are therapists, which yeah. <laughs> a B-side to this podcast, but, um, and it's great. Like we'll go on walks and sometimes I'll, I'll tell them, hey, I don't even want to talk about it. 
today. Like, I don't want to dive into this. I don't want to figure it out. I just want you to know I'm hurting. And like, I really don't need, like, let's, you talk. Let's just mm-hmm. be friends. But, yeah. Um, but just to know I'm not alone. Nice. Yeah. And um, that's been one of, I don't think I'll ever not wrestle with pretty significant doubt. Just are we alone? Did, is God doing this? Was this created by him? Was, are we loved? Are we alone? And like, that's going to be a daily struggle for me. I think mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has shifted the last year or so from, I think I used to say, am I alone? Um, there's a, the first episode of Mad Men. Don Draper says, uh, you're born alone, you die alone. The world is a construct to make you forget that. Uh-huh. And he goes, I never forget. Wow. And I resonated with that. It's like, I never forget. And I'm trying to not believe that. Yeah. And something shifted in my life this year where it's gone from like, I'm alone to we might be alone, <laughs> but we've got each other. <laughs> so let's link arms. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately, I, I do believe you know, that we're not, but it's, it's a daily struggle, but community keeps me healthy. And probably helps you to go from a place of God, this, this belief is a problem I need to fix to, you know what, if, if I do unfortunately have this belief lingering for the rest of my life, I'll be okay. Yeah. Right. And if God is one of the biggest breakthroughs in my life was, I just always thought I had to protect God from people. And I had to protect people from God. What does that mean? Um, like somehow he was this insecure, narcissistic mm. parent who couldn't handle what we really were. Mm. And so like, you know, like who's in, who's out, who's holy enough, who's whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's exhausting. But then also to like kind of make excuses for him, like, you know, like you're, the person in your family, like, oh, okay, you're going to spend some time with them and it's going to be weird. Like, just <laughs> like give them a chance, you know? And yeah. like, to get to the point where it's like, I mean, what, why would I ever worship that person? Mm-hmm. If that's who he yeah. is, like, we are, it's maybe it'd be better to be alone if that's who he <laughs> is. Um, but to stop doing that and be like, you know, if, like, if he's worthy of my worship, he's not, I can't manipulate him. Mm-hmm. and I don't need to apologize for him. Um, so that's been really freeing to just say, like, yeah, if he's, I think he's there. If he's there, he's gonna, he can handle me. There's 8 billion of us right now. Like, my story's not that important. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean that. And it really, I mean that in a healthy way. Like, it, none of us should think this <laughs> is where the world is orbiting. Like, yeah, right. Um, and, like, every person has this just amazing dignity and story and capacity for love and to be loved. And so to, to center there um, for me gives me a pace of life that doesn't get, uh, I'm going to despair less. Mm. Nice. What would you say? Cause I mean, I didn't grow up on a cult, <laughs> but, but I, I have but been. But I did go to Wheaton. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. But, um, Sorry, Wheaton friends. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I know I have been very hurt by the church mm-hmm. and manipulated. And so, um, what would you say to people who, who are, who have gone through that and feel like they can't be authentic? in the church 
Um, <laughs> no I, pressure. No, I, I wouldn't. I would be quiet. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would apologize as like as a minister <laughs> of the church, right? Yeah. Like I have to own. I'm part of a system that has hurt people, hmm. and that kills me <laughs> with my story. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm. I'm getting them. <laughs> I'm just going to put on my fat mask and tell me their names. But um, I, I would, I would so sorry and just really be quiet. I think the rush to answers mm-hmm. makes it worse. Yeah. Um, what What would you say to young Danny? Yeah, run. <laughs> how young? Like which? Which? Yeah. Which me? Like how old? Like twenty five when about leaving. 10 when you were told uh, you can't go to the football game. Um, I was at a funeral recently, and I saw this little boy. Oh, a funeral recently that was like all people from the cult, and there was this little boy who wasn't behaving. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, and mm-hmm. he's like all over the place. And he just had all this life, and, and yeah. And I leaned over to my wife, and I was like, I just want to tell that kid, like, give them hell, buddy. <laughs> like, they need you. <laughs> like, they, I wonder who's the next one to, like, be like, it's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. I don't know if we talk on their customs podcast. But um, 10-year-old me, I mean, I was so trapped. I, there was, I wasn't getting out anytime soon. Um, I think I would say... It's not true. Be patient. I don't know. It's 10 years so powerless at 10. Yeah. You know, like you, so I don't know what could be different. Um, I think I would say you're loved. Um, it's not because of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's simple, but powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It's so hard. It's beautiful and it's hard to see. I've got four kids and each of them remind me you know, of myself in different ways and my wife in different ways. But, um, each, each year that they turn each year that they experience, I, I just, it's impossible to not see, Oh man, like when I was 10 or when I was seven or six. And, um, I'm so thankful for um, what they've gotten to experience. Mm-hmm. And to get out of that system and yeah, health yeah. and life and gratitude. And um, it's been an amazing story of redemption. Yeah. You know, like just. You've been able to make what you want for them and the family you choose. Yeah. It's not. And that's, there's like, you can get into survivor's guilt. <laughs> most people who left the cult don't yeah. have my story. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, like I don't, um, I think that's one of the, things that draws me to faith Mm -hmm. or it's like I have so much gratitude where it's like I didn't I couldn't have done this by myself and I don't want to I don't don't know if this sounds judgmental but and I don't like you can do so many things well but like I don't want to be the kind of person that takes credit for all of the good Mm -hmm. in their life because I've, I know what that feels like to be one of the people who yeah. lives with that person, and I don't want to be like that. Yeah. So, or at least if you're going to own the good, own the bad, own the bad, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's just, uh, it, there's so much in it that, again, like beautiful and terrible things have happened. Um, don't deny them and be grateful. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really answer your question about what no. would I say to, you I mean, did. you did it's really so individual, you know, yeah. it's like person to person and what did the church do to you? And Yeah. Um, I actually really appreciate that because I mean, it has to be individual mm-hmm. to individual. It's different. What, um, so I, I do appreciate that. But um, is there, we're, we probably need to wrap it up, but yeah. is there any place that you want um, people to reach out to you or find you? Um, I am not <laughs> online. I, awesome. So like, I don't trust pastors. That's back to my day. <laughs> and like, that's real cool. Oh man, just what? My job is to love a group of people. Mm. Well, you know, and my family in this small community, St. Mary's, and like having a take on. North Korea or <laughs> on Twitter, it's like I think that would only take away from the what I'm actually called to do in this world, and so I'm mm-hmm. not on social media. Um, St. Mary's is uh, our community okay. in Nashville, and um, go Predators, go! Yeah, <laughs> the time you would give to me. Uh, I'm sitting in a room with two people from Chicago. <laughs> Give that energy to cheering on our Nashville practice. <laughs> well, nice. Yeah, I really liked hearing about your Thank your you. story and your message of you know accepting pain when you have to. Because I think it's something that's important for everyone, and that you have lived an example of. Thank you. Enjoy being with you guys. Awesome. As always, to stay in touch with us by email and hear about the podcast behind the scenes, you can visit us on redeemingdisorder.com. And special thanks to Hetty, who donated our theme music from her song Shipwrecking Me from her latest album. Be sure to check it out at hettymusic.com. Join us next week, and until then, we hope you feel empowered to start a conversation of your own. Mm